discussing the news that matters. Light breakfast. Front page. We're joined by Razak Chik from Astra Awani today, giving us his professional opinion on international and local news pieces. All right, Inchik Razak, thank you so much for joining us today for Front Page. It's my pleasure. On April 6, our Prime Minister actually expanded our Prihatin Stimulus Package to a Prihatin Plus Stimulus Package. And in this package, the government actually allocated an additional 10 billion ringgit for SMEs on top of what they've already put out, which is worth 250 billion already, which was announced uh, March 31st. Does our government really have that much money to give to the people? I mean, as I recall, we are already in serious debt. So where are we getting this money from? Hello, you guys. You know, have more faith in our government. (laughs) You know. I'm just uh, asking the question that a lot of people are asking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I know where you're coming from. You know, when I heard 250, I thought, yeah, maybe 250 million. Then I heard it. I said, did I hear it correct? Billion. And I asked myself, do we have all that money? Do you know how one billion is? It's a thousand million. How many zeros is that? So uh, number one, okay, once we have overcome feeling of do we have that amount of money somewhere stashed away, what we have to go on is what our banker, finance minister, Tengku Zafrul, Tengku Aziz, has been saying all this while. You know, he's been appearing on TV, media, everywhere to say, don't don't you worry, guys. There are two things we go on. Number one, borrowings. Number two, government coffers. Borrowings is like you and me. If a bank or a friend is willing to lend you money uh, on whatever terms they set, they will let you borrow. In this case, there are financial institutions out there, there are banks and governments are in a position to issue bonds. So number one, from borrowings, governments are very good bet. They are good borrowers. Uh, you don't expect government to default, but uh, there have been government defaults before, but Malaysia has not been known to default. So Malaysia is a good bet when it comes to financial institutions institutions want to let you borrow money from them. So the other factor is government coffers itself. This is interesting because Malaysia as a government, any government will have to look at it like you and me, left pocket, right pocket. Our income, everyone, is it enough to defray the outgoings at the end of the month? Mm. So if the government coffers in terms of taxes and corporates that make profits also pay taxes and uh, individuals like you and me, so that's the reason why we should be paying our taxes really Religiously, so when the government has enough money to pay for its expenses, so this is where part of the 250 billion will come from. It's a combination of borrowings and from government coffers. Whether we do have enough in the billions, it all depends on the uh, ability of this government. Now, when we had the previous government, what they did was they took a look at our finances and they decided that we had a trillion dollar exposure to debt. So they undertook for them to cut down on wasteful spending. So that is where it is important that governments should be very prudent in their spending to ensure that for a rainy day, we have enough in our coffers to pay our way. This one's pretty interesting. Should the MCO be extended past its intended expiration date of April 14, the Pakatan Harapan Secretarial Council has said that the economic burden on SMEs and the B40 traders in the green zones can be alleviated if the government 
loosens the MCO in these zones. So the question here, I guess, is since our health ministry knows where the red zones and the green zones for this COVID-19 pandemic are, is it a wise decision for businesses and tradings within the green zones to still go on as usual? You see, for now, I think we, this is the third week coming into the fourth week of MCO and we see a lot of people are also already feeling lethargic and wanting, raring to go. Now, uh, the reason why we have red zones and green zones is that we know which are the areas where the problems endemic and there needs to be certain security measures, procedures to be put in place. So once we have designated the red zones for the green zones, we know where are the no-go areas are. I think personally, three weeks is three weeks very long, too long. We should be doing something in a way what uh, people like Donald Trump are saying is that, you know, we do not want the cure to kill more people than disease itself, but we do not want to go to that extreme. They still have productive capacity within them to do something and what more people in the green zones. If we, if we are able to control movement for those people within the red zones, for them not to venture beyond the red zone for and for those in the green zones to have a certain degree of freedom to go about the normal business. So what we can do is revive a bit of economic activity so that not stay home and those who have productive capacity are able to put their productive capacity to good use and uh, we generate some economic activity in the process. So you do encourage this? With We, we leave it to the people who uh, we have entrusted to, you know, to see this process through. I'm sure they will think okay. through what procedures there are to ensure that people in the, in the red zones, there is no leakage, things can, uh, economic activity or productive activity can still go on but within the restricted zones and then people who are in the green zones will be able to have a certain degree of with with planning and control we can go about as much as possible so that we can return to what normal is at this time don't know how true this article is apparently there is a war on procuring masks and it all starts in the US because uh, President Trump and the US government they have been blamed for hijacking masks bound for Germany and France and even Canada so uh, Inchit Raza how true do you think these news reports are? You see if I were Donald Trump I would be doing what Donald Trump is doing you know <laughs> well that's looking at it from, 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 from his, his perspective, perspective. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you look at companies like 3M, they have operations all over the world. A lot of people didn't realize, didn't have realized that 3M is actually an American company. So America has become great off, off the backs of foreign labor. But 3M itself has uh, come up with statements to say that, you know, it has not reneged on contracts. Contracts remain contracts. As you know, there is a number of fake news going on out there. But so far, all the claims made about made by France, made by Canada, has not been refuted by Donald Trump himself. Donald Trump being Donald Trump, I'm sure his threats companies like 3M when he says that you know they will have to pay a heavy price if they do not make uh, America the priority for the products that they make but you know these companies they are based overseas they provide jobs to overseas uh, partners and uh, I'm sure they have been in the game long enough to know that contracts are sacrosanct I'm sure there are procedures and there are protocols in which they themselves 
themselves as the multinational would observe. But for now, America, Donald Trump himself has been very generous, even to the extent of uh, donating 200 ventilators to the UK of all places. So I think there is still for America itself to be generous enough. I think whether the story is true or not, we will see how the how France, how Canada, how other countries react to what has happened or did not happen. Uh, whether, uh, but I would not put it past Donald Trump to act in that way because for him it's America first. Yes. Yes. And I, I've actually read that they recently invoked this um Defense Production Act to get all US firms anywhere in the world to divert their resources to the battle against the pandemic in the US. So they have this act where they say that all US firms, no matter where you are, whatever resources you have, you have to send it to the US instead of other countries in the world. Are they legally allowed to do that? They are a sovereign nation. They are the biggest, the strongest, the richest country in the world. That act, I'm sure, can be applied to American companies, but there are all these companies would also have to obey local laws wherever they are based, either in Singapore, whether in Malaysia, whether in Penang, or wherever, or, or in Vietnam. Uh, but what happens now is uh, what is sorely needed is for America to take the lead, for America to play the role of big brother, benevolence. Where, where, where is that benevolence in sharing the resources of the world? Because this, what we have now, requires world leadership. And uh, that is sorely lacking from America. Maybe once calmer heads uh, influence Donald Trump, look at his decisions and what he has made, statements he's made in the past, perhaps we will find a different way of tackling the situation. I'm sure America is not just about Donald Trump. There are wise counsels standing behind him who will find an amicable solution to what we are uh, facing now. A doctor from a private hospital has actually told that our health DG that they have failed the frontliners, failed the frontliners because there's not enough PPE. We we have overworked healthcare professionals. They don't have enough rest time. In your personal opinion, Raza, do you believe that MOH has failed the frontliners? I don't want to jump into judgment so quickly and blame one party or the other. But what is important in all this is our final frontliners, their welfare has to be forefront of our concerns. Because how can you have people in the front line, the doctors, then the nurses and the medical assistants who have to wheel COVID patients in and out of ICU, they have to have all the equipment they need. So what is uh, important is um, I, I think we do not need to rely on funds uh, over and above what the government can provide. The government should be able to be in a position to provide all the funds that the frontliners need. So uh, if there are funds raised by donations or whatever, that would be subsidiary and that would go to uh, other areas of spending. And I think uh, whatever happens, the frontliners, their, their needs should be well catered for. And if it needs the, for the government to spend even in the millions, so be it. By all accounts, they are doing the best 
of to their ability but whether it's sufficient or not nothing is sufficient when we are facing this new threat because this is something totally new we learn along the way but hopefully everyone's hearts are in the right place and we have to whatever we do we have to make sure that those people in the front line are adequately uh, catered for in terms of their needs for their own safety so that they uh, can operate in an environment where the best care and aid can be given to the patients. Speaking about the funds for COVID-19, and there was a fund being collected by the government and it has currently collected 22.66 million in cash donations. So I'm looking at this uh, and this COVID-19 fund is mostly to bring aid to the people. And I'm thinking, why isn't this fund channeled to the Ministry of Health to purchase more PPEs for our frontliners, testing kits and all that? Because this is the COVID-19 fund. Shouldn't it be to battle COVID-19 and not to buy necessities for people? Yes, we do need money to purchase equipment for people in the the front line. But also at the same time, there are people out there who are in dire straits. There will be some people who would be too very precise about where they want the money to be channeled. But then there, there are those who would say, you know, whatever needs to be done, go ahead and do it. And in this case, there are people in MCO areas who, even if you're not in MCO areas, you know, when, when people do not have any source of income for the last three weeks and the coming three weeks in, even. So these people, their needs will also need to be catered for. It comes to food, it comes provisions. So the guiding principle should be those people in the front line, those people uh, who are serving us should be looked after by government and uh, subsidiary needs uh, should uh, can be catered for whenever you have uh, ad hoc ad hoc funds like this so this will not uh, prevent people from digging deep into their wallets to donate because uh, everyone has got a role to play in this time and when we really need all the help we can get so I, I understand when they give it to the national welfare foundation it's for to feed maybe the homeless or people who need like the b40s who really are in need of this they're, like you said, they're in dire straits at this moment. But what is the logic between giving an allocation to the Women's Family and Community Development Ministry? Uh, I want to play the devil's advocate. You know, we have 32 ministries, ministers, and 37 deputy ministers. So uh, if you look at the uh, ministry uh, that has been allocated, the fund is the Women, Family, and Community Development. So the third component, Community Development, it's akin to our former welfare ministry. So right. this is where they have a role play so that people in need, uh, their needs would be catered for by this particular ministry. Hope for me is basically for them maybe to spend a little bit of money to get somebody to advise them on not to abuse poor Doraemon. <laughs> Or to hire people to write better PSAs, maybe. <laughs> or leave the poor cat alone. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Thanks.